just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. Uh, today, we have Ed with us, and it's always a pleasant experience when Ed joins us. It's nice to get a, uh, a second opinion. Ed, I've had a few uh, listeners on, and you may not be surprised that every one of those so- shows have turned out excellently. These are people who are very bright, uh, have have good perceptions of what's going on, great conversationalist. So it goes to what I've said, you know, with this show, we have a lot of like-minded people, people of a similar vintage. We've got younger people too, uh, and I appreciate them. But every show I've had with a listener has gone outstanding. So I'm 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 pretty proud of that, knowing that we have a listenership that uh, is also intelligent. We're going to talk about the media and the not-so-intelligent folks out there. But Ed, welcome. We're going to get back into it. Glad to be here, Mike. And uh, yeah, a lot has happened since the last time we talked, and uh, hopefully we can uh, touch on some of it anyway. You know, the one thing we talked about before we went on here, and it's something you mentioned, and I haven't read into it all that much. I just saw the tweets here and there, and it was something uh, Donald Trump didn't tweet. What did he truth it? (laughs) Yeah, retruthing, they call it on, uh, on Trump social, uh, which I have not checked out and don't intend to. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, you know, it's his imitation of Twitter. And so instead of retweeting, you retruth on truth social. Oh, so clever. So clever. So what, what's the big hubbub now about his retruth? Uh, well, he seemed to be calling for civil war or at least condoning that idea. There was, uh, the, the way it looked to me, there was a tweet and then somebody retweeted it and added, uh, civil war and he retreated that or retruthed, whatever you want to say. So he at least put his, uh, um, his stamp of approval on the idea of civil war. I mean, uh, and it may be a, just a real quick thing he did without thinking, which I'm sure is just pretty much sums up his modus operandi. But uh, uh, at any rate, lots of people noticed. And uh, mainly because since nobody really is on Truth Social, uh, from what I hear, um, you know, except people, except people that are kind of keeping an eye to see what he says, um, it, it got, uh, you know, then it got onto Twitter and, and so forth. And it's kind of trended a little bit. Like, is this guy really calling for civil war? And why is it in Guantanamo about, you know? <laughs> well, well, here, well, well, here's the thing is whether he's actually calling for civil war or not, the situation we're in with an insurrection and domestic terrorists and trying to overthrow the government, I think I would be careful about sending a retruth like that given he's under the microscope for all of those things. But it just goes back to what I've said before, Ed, you know, the whole prospect of uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter and putting Donald Trump on and everybody is so upset and scared that he's going to come back. I've always said, let that fucker back. 
Let him back. Give him a megaphone. Let him keep talking. Because every time he does, he does something like this. You know, the Civil War, hashtag Civil War, whatever he did, that is the absolute worst thing for him to do. And it it it, it contradicts what everybody says. Oh, Donald Trump's not about Civil War or insurrection. Well, clearly, he just fucking retruthed it. Exactly. And um, the, he knows no low. I mean, just when you think he's hit bottom, he pulls out a shovel and starts digging again. That's what it comes down to. He will do absolutely anything to get attention. And for whatever reason, and, and believe me, I can't figure out exactly what his motive is, but he really wants to get back into the presidency. Now, now, why? I don't know. I, I mean, let's face it, even, even if he's not a billionaire like he claims, he's got money and he's able to grift people left and right. So it's not like he's, uh, he's hurting for money. He gets to play golf every day and he gets the adulation of all of these uh, just really weird people who show up at Mar-a-Lago and he can go around and have his little uh, uh, rallies and so forth. I mean, he's getting his attention and so forth. But, you know, what's his motivation? I think it's revenge. I mean, we know this about him and narcissists in general. They can't lose. And if they do lose, they have to punish those who made them lose. So I think that's what his, uh, his ultimate goal is, is to, to punish the people who didn't vote for him, which is half the country, more than half the country, obviously. Well, I don't disagree with that, you on that. That might be part of it, but I don't think that's all of it. I, there's another take on this whole thing. Uh, uh, first of all, if he gets to become president again, then he's protected again. I don't think he really thought all this shit would come down around him. And it's starting to with the January 6th committee, Ginny Thomas, people getting exposed. We've got John Eastman now throwing him under the bus saying, I got letters from him about the insurrection. All this stuff is happening and and he's looking for protection. And the only protection he can get right now is being president of the United States because he found out that nobody can touch him when he's president of the United States. I think right at this moment, all this stuff is happening and he's starting to freak out. And when these fuckers freak out, they don't think they react emotionally. And that's what Donald Trump has done over the years. And I think right now he's scared shitless and finding any way he can protect himself. I think you're 100% right there on that. He is looking for that immunity. And one of the reasons may be is because we still don't know the extent to which he was tied in with Russia, for example. Right. Uh, we know it was deep. I mean, um, I uh, had a, exchanged a few words uh, with a guy on Twitter about um, the, the guy was basically saying, okay, Mueller didn't, Mueller didn't find anything and so forth. And I said, that's not true. Not you true. know, you're you're going from, you know, Barr's summary. In fact, uh, Mueller said there was plenty of collusion that went on and that uh, Trump could actually be uh, prosecuted for it once he was out of office. That's exactly what Mueller said. And um, so you're right in, in that way. He's very vulnerable. He knows that. And uh, there's a part of me that hopes that Putin is as bad off as everybody seems to think he is. And that one of his final shots will be to just expose Donald Trump <laughs> just for the heck of it, because he failed him so miserably, so to speak. Yeah, um, yeah. No, that's one of my dreams. You know, I always had trouble with the Mueller part report from the first time it came out. First of all, I, I thought Mueller himself fucked that up. I mean, look, if you're going to come out and tell us, 
if you're going to come out and tell us that, oh, you did this and this and this, and then he's going to claim exoneration, but he did all these things, but I can't do anything because he's president. Then why do the fucking investigation? If you already know you can't do anything to him, it's time and money wasted for nothing. And then it comes out. And while nothing is done, everybody else, the idiots take it as exoneration. And they say, see, nothing happened. And like you said, a lot of stuff happened at the very bottom line. There were at least 10 instances of obstruction of justice by Donald Trump. Now, he would have been prosecuted had he not been president. The other things, the connections to Russia go back for years and years. And we know this because Eric Trump said that. We know that he's probably getting money from from Russia all these years by way of channeling it through Deutsche Bank. I mean, Donald Trump's never been successful at anything. He had his sugar daddy, who was his daddy, who bailed him out of everything that he had. Now, when daddy died, he had to find another benefactor, and that was Russia. It was an easy fucking get because Russia wanted influence in this country, and they saw him having influence. They didn't know he was going to be president at the time, but they knew he had, he was famous. He was on TV. He had a lot of money. He had some power. He, had connect, he was connected to people. So this was a good investment to them. And then when he became president, they helped him fucking win the election. So he is so tied to Russia, it's ridiculous. And I would, I would challenge any trump to sit down with me and tell me he's not, because... Uh, if I could get him to listen for 10 seconds, I can prove he is. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I'd enjoy hearing that sometime. But the the uh, the other thing is that you brought up that we should take a, just a quick thing look at is that, uh, yeah, they didn't need to know that he would be president or ever hold an elective office of any kind. It's the same thing with Rand Paul and Tucker Carlson. They are obviously spouting the Kremlin line every time. It's uh, uh, I don't know what uh, the Kremlin has on them or that they think they can gain from it, but it's easy to see. All you have to do is open your eyes and watch and listen with your ears, and you hear the same things coming out of Putin's mouth or his spokespeople uh, as come out of Tucker Carlson's mouth and Rand Paul's mouth and uh, Janine Pirro and uh, all of the other Fox talking heads. Uh, It's very clearly uh, espousing the Russian line. Um, Just to branch off for a second, uh, CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Committee, Right. is uh, meeting in Turkey right now. Keynote speaker is Viktor Orban, who said we have to coordinate. We have to get all of our troops together. And he's a fascist dictator. Exactly. And, and uh, he, is, uh, he is he is he uh, is Putin's doppelganger and Hitler's doppelganger. If you want to go back far enough. And then there's Erdogan. Same. Yes. guy, Same type of guy. Yeah. Yes. And, the, and, of course, uh, Tucker Carlson loves them both, Trump loves them both, and Putin loves them both. Right. So birds of a feather flock together, right? Well, people would say, people will say, why did he give care about Trump if he wasn't president? Well, here's the deal. Like I said, he's rich. He's famous. People know him. Whether you like to hear it or not, Trump LaFox, he was best buddies with the Clintons. He is connected to the president. 
He's got he had connections with a lot of political figures. And the same goes for Tucker Carlson. He's not connected to the president now, but he was when Donald Trump was in. But, you know, he's connected to a bunch of congressmen and senators right now. So it's maybe not a direct connect for the Russians, but it's indirect. And and Tucker's the middleman. So. There, there's all kinds of reason why Russia would want to connect to Tucker Carlson, um, you know, Sean Hannity, to to Trump, to Jared, to whatever. Russia is kind of insidious in the, the way they kind of uh, dig their way into situations. They're very determined and they're very patient, and uh, it paid off in dividends. Absolutely. If you go back to when Russia was communist under Khrushchev, he's famous for saying, we will take you without firing a shot. We will defeat you from within. And that was uh, exactly broadcasting what their their plan was going to be. And they've been working at it ever since in, in one way or another and using various people, some that you wouldn't even suspect. But as you pointed out, Trump had uh, a Democrats ear because he donated to Democratic uh, candidates. He had Republicans ear because he donated to Republican candidates. Wasn't his money. I mean, it was coming to him, like you say, through Deutsche Bank from Russia. And, uh, and he was doing them the favor of uh, laundering their money. If you've watched Ozark, you know how that works. Well, yeah. he was doing it on a much grander scale. He was just doing it through his properties, uh, letting them buy condos in his buildings and so forth. And uh, the dirty money comes in and then it goes out clean. Uh, right. It works so well. They take the dirty money in. They buy a condo for $5 million. They sit on it for a month, a week, a year, whatever it is. They sell it and it's all clean money. See, exactly. The, the only reason that dirty money is a problem is if you can't find somebody to take it. Well, Donald Trump said, fuck it, I'll take it. And once he took it, they were clear. They had they had the money still in the property. They just had to wait a little bit and sell it. And now we got five million cash. And they did and it you, over and over again with Donald Trump's properties. And Putin and his cronies have been doing this ever since he's been in office and they've been stealing Russian money. They've been buying yachts with it. They've been buying condos in London, in New York, wherever they can. It's spread all around the globe. That's why they're hunting down all of these yachts, uh, because that is Russian money that's being laundered by buying a yacht. You know, they don't use them. They sit and uh, um, they sail around, but they're never on them. Right, and it's right. just a way of hanging on to uh, of hiding the money. And at some point they can you know, sell that, get the money back, and uh, they sit there atop, uh, you know, everybody else is a peasant except them, and uh, it's a pretty good place to be. Uh, same thing goes on here, of course. Uh, we're seeing it with Jared Kushner and Steve Mnuchin right, right now. Right, exactly. Well, you know, one thing about, I, I read a story recently, it was somebody in the higher up, or the higher echelon of the Russian government, and it's somebody who's away from it now or whatever, just speaking out because he doesn't give a shit. He was talking about how how um, Vladimir Putin was very frustrated talking to Donald Trump because he had to repeat things over and over again as if Donald Trump yeah. didn't understand it. But it tells you something. Somebody who's as vicious as Vladimir Putin, in a normal situation talking to a normal person, this guy would be frustrated. He would be pissed. He wouldn't talk to him again. He'd maybe have him killed. 
But with Donald Trump, he just sat there patiently and patted him on the head and said, Donald, you are so smart because he knew what he would get through his connection with Donald Trump. And he knew he was a dupe so he could make him do pretty much anything he wanted. And, and, and that's exactly what, what Donald Trump did. So now Vladimir Putin is in a situation now where things are going to shit. And I'm sure he's not happy with Donald Trump because Donald Trump is now looking dumber and dumber as it all goes. And things are coming apart at the scene. And that's what I'm thinking with Vladimir Putin. Uh, this is maybe why he's reacting so crazily. Because as much as things with the Republicans are going to come apart and things are getting tracked down, those lines to the Russians are going to open up, too. And a lot is going to be exposed about the Russians in this process. And now he's kind of in the same boat as Donald Trump, fucking crazed and just doing anything to just distract or get away from it. Absolutely. Um, I would like to touch on uh, Jared and Mnuchin for a second. Absolutely. It's just come out. Uh, well, it, it came out a little while ago on, uh, on on Kushner that he got a two billion dollar uh, invest by the into uh, his uh, his company. I think in Affinity uh, Affinity Partners, it's called. But now we find out that Steve Mnuchin also got lots of money, and right. and not just from Saudi Arabia. This came from the uh, Arab Emirates, from Qatar. And from Kuwait, uh, there was something called the uh, Abraham Fund. Right. Uh, you remember uh, Jared was put in charge of uh, Middle East peace, right? Right. And, and, uh, and it was called, I, I got it right here. It was called something else. It was called uh, uh, the Abraham Accord is what it started right. out to be. That's what it started out to be. And it was to, to find, uh, you know, common ground between uh, Israel and, and various Arab states. And, um, and, and I, I support that. That's fine. Right. But then it became the Abraham Fund in that they were recruiting. They were getting money from all of these different Arab states that they were going to do uh, mutual projects with uh, throughout the Middle East, uh, you know, good works, so to speak, that would uh, that would bring everybody together. And that, that started right at the beginning of, of, of the, the Trump administration, but it petered out, and certainly it was all over with once the election was over with. Well, they didn't let it go. It became the Abraham Fund, and uh, then it became Affinity Partners and uh, Mnuchin's uh, is called Liberty Strategic Capital. And uh, both of them are just raking in huge amounts of money, $2 billion for, uh, for uh, Jared Kushner and uh, uh, slightly less than that for Mnuchin. But uh, this, the interesting thing is, at the near the very end of the Trump administration, both Mnuchin and Kushner were flying back and forth to Saudi Arabia and the Emirates like every week, practically, right? right. Uh, meet, meeting with all of these guys. And uh, uh, the Saudi uh, investment of $2 billion, the, the, the folks who administer the, the fund that the money came from were dead set against it because Kushner had no investment experience. For one thing, he was a real estate guy. Right. Um, and uh, there was no collateral, so to speak. It's basically we're handing this guy two billion dollars and we're supposed to get some sort of return out of it. But 
What it's really going to look like is we're trying to buy influence if Trump gets back into office, which, of course, is exactly what it is. Well, exactly. And and it went pretty deep, too. It's not just Kushner and Munchen. Or no, Munchen. no. I mean, I, I read I read a part here where the uh, you read the Times article, I can tell. Yeah, I did. I did. And it said uh, there were 11 executives and advisors given to the Saudis by April 2021. That included. Managing director Michael D'Ambrosio, except he was still assistant director of the Secret <laughs> Service. I mean, that's right. right next to the fucking president. Double dipping. Yeah. Eli Miller was working at the Treasury Department with Mnuchin. He yep. began he began in 2019, somehow tied in with the wealth funds and Blackstone. I mean, it's it, it's <laughs> this isn't. This isn't just a gray area guilty. This is fucking flat out black and white guilty as fucking sin. Well, I know Elizabeth Warren, Senator Warren, has called for the Justice Department to take a good hard look at this, because if if it's not outright corruption, it's certainly improper um, to have this kind of immediate transition. I mean, uh, that we know that uh, all uh, administrations, people who work in various uh, offices, uh, always seem to find a place in the private sector that kind of echoes that. Right. And uh, that happens frequently, and it's not necessarily illegal, although it should be. But uh, this was instantaneous. It, it, it was not like there was any transition at all. It's just they went straight from being the, the public sector to the private sector, beam. I mean, boom, just the whole uh, the, the whole bunch just moved right on over, just it changed did. the name and kept well, going. Yeah, but it didn't even transfer. It didn't even transition right after they left office. They were hustling this fucking game while they were still in office. And and, and it says there, the actions are under examination for any possible ethics violations. At the very least, it's ethics violations. And when they say it's under investigation i don't know who's investigating you'd have to presume the doj and hopefully they're looking at this i mean the the upside to this is uh jared kushner and mnuchin don't have nearly the protection a former president has they are exposed and it sounds like all the details are coming out and there should be no reason the doj would sit back and not go after them the only the only reason that they would not is that they have bigger fish to fry. What I mean, there is a, a finite number of lawyers in the dis, uh, the uh, district attorney or not district the uh, the DOJ. Department of Justice. Yeah, the Department of Justice. There's a finite number of attorneys, and and uh, um, there's just so much corruption to investigate and right. and uh, traitorous activity on top of that that uh, they probably say, well, we're going to put that one over here for now. You know, we can come back to this. That could be. Jerry Kushner's not going anywhere, you know. Right. That could be. But, you know, one of the things that everybody says Merrick Garland isn't doing anything, and I disagree. He may not be doing it the way I like it, but I'm not head of the DOJ. So what the fuck do I know? But he did recently hire 30 new attorneys for the DOJ. And I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and got another 30. So they oh, are doing more. something to address these things. Well, this is the thing. You'll notice who's very quiet about this whole thing, who never, ever mentions anything about the uh, uh, the investigations, and, and that's President Biden. Yeah. And uh, I have to believe, I have to believe that 
that's because he's in contact with the Department of Justice, uh, or at least he's getting word from the Department of Justice, because he, he, he would not want to make it look like that he is uh, pushing them in any direction or another. Right. But uh, uh, that's why he's not speaking out. But I have to believe that he's being filled in to a certain degree by someone about uh, uh, what is uh, what is going on at the Department of Justice. I mean, that uh, he has cabinet meetings where everybody is there. Right. Um, I can't believe that he wouldn't occasionally say, hey, uh, Barry, do you want to hold back a second? You know, talk for just a moment here. I, I, I have to believe that uh, there's more going on than we know about. If there isn't, we're fucked. Well, yeah, yeah, we are fucked if, he, if it isn't. But, you know, like Biden said when he came in, he said, I'm not going to influence the Department of Justice or to have any control over it, which isn't any great shakes because that's what he's supposed to do as president. That's what a president is supposed to do. It's another branch of government. Keep hands off. Let them do what they do so there's no no collusion or whatever between the two branches. Now, of course, Donald Trump did the opposite. He was in their control and everything, trying to overthrow elections, trying to fire and hire people as they went. I mean, and he and Donald Trump is too stupid, so he's being influenced. I don't know if you read the article about Ginny Thomas. Every day there's more shit about how Ginny Thomas is part of the, uh, the coup and just corrupt as fuck. There was an article that said, that she would come into the White House on a regular basis, take meetings with the, the president of the United States, bring in lists of people that he, that he should fire and hire. And some of the people around Donald Trump said it was fucking crazy. She's obviously disturbed. But this woman is meeting with the president a couple days a week trying to influence him. And because Donald Trump is a stupid fuck, he's easily influenced. And so, but who is this woman? She's a lobbyist at best. The only thing she's got going for her is she's married to Clarence Thomas, and apparently Donald Trump saw some value in placating her, um, or he was just impressed by that he she's she's married to Clarence Thomas and gave her carte blanche in the fucking White House, and that's that's fucking crazy. It is crazy. I can see why he would do it, and that is to simply curry favor with Clarence Thomas, knowing knowing that at some point uh, things that uh, that he had done would be uh, coming before the Supreme Court or things that he wanted done would be uh, coming before the Supreme Court. He, he didn't really understand the court like he doesn't understand anything. He thought he could always just bring things to the court and have them rule on them, which, of course, is not the way it works. And he was very dismayed after the, the election that he couldn't just uh, bring stuff up and have them overturn the election. He was it boggled his mind that he couldn't do that because he had put three justices in there. He expected them to perform for him. And uh, I think he was probably just courting uh, Jenny Thomas because uh, uh, she was um, Clarence Thomas's wife, and that would give him that much more of a, a connection to Clarence. 
Well, he, she, Donald Trump took a note from Vladimir Putin's page. He knew he had access to Ginny Thomas, so that gave him indirect a- access to Clarence Thomas, not unlike what Vladimir Putin did with Donald Trump prior to being president because he knew he was connected. It's just an insidious way to get in there and do something. Now, Donald Trump had no clue what to do with those connections. He's an animal no. at best in his mind, and all he thinks, all, I guarantee you this is how he thinks, all he thinks is, okay, here's somebody with some influence. I've got to figure a way I can get control over them. I don't know what I'm going to do with it because I'm too fucking dumb, but I know I've got to get leverage or some kind of control over people in power, whether it be businessmen, whether it be leaders of other countries, or whether it be um, this particular situation with Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court. That's all he does. I mean, he, he doesn't think... I just got to get something over on all these people. And when I need them, they're going to have to fucking come on bended knee and do whatever I tell them, which is not true, but he's too stupid to know that. That's right. But that's been his, uh, his experience. I mean, he's completely transactional and every person that he's involved with, and this includes his wife and children is, and everyone else, every other breathing person he's ever interacted with, uh, he has to, as you say, have the upper hand. He has to have some sort of, he has to win every interaction. He has yes. to come out on top. He has to, and as you say, be able then to use that person as a tool, so to speak, whether it's his daughter, whether it's his wife. I mean, we can see that's a transactional marriage. There's no doubt about it in my mind. And all you have to do is watch the two of them interact. And you see that when she's slapping his hand away because uh, uh, she wants nothing to do with him outside of the terms of their contract, whatever that may be. Oh, I don't know, Ed. It seems like a beautiful love story. All of us could only (laughs) hope to have that kind of relationship. Uh, No doubt. Um, (laughs) But but, but Donald Trump is... Donald Trump, day in, day out, and this is a, this is an insult to animals, I understand that, but everything he does is like an animal instinct. He doesn't think, he reacts. Everything is emotional. Everything is bullying. And he's yes. like Vladimir Putin. If I'm going to bully you and you don't back down, what do I do? I just up the ante and bully you harder. And then when you don't back down, I bully you harder. And it's it's a recipe for failure. Because if that person is never going to back down and is going to slap you in the mouth, you lose. But they can't back up and they can't say they're wrong. So they keep moving forward until they fail. Well, he's a mob boss. That's what it comes down to. Absolutely. I mean, he uh, he he doesn't give people orders. He wonders aloud about what would happen. He lets his desires be known. Let's put it that way. But he never orders anyone to do anything. It would be nice if uh, we could get workers that we didn't have to uh, pay union wages to. It would be nice if we found a way to import foreign steel that was cheaper than the domestic product. Uh, It would be nice. He never gives the order. That's the way he deals with people and uh, protects himself from never having actually done anything, quote, illegal or at least ordered it. Of course, he's done it. But uh, he's slippery. He's sly. But he's also stupid as fuck. Here's the thing is, I understand the mentality of the people around Donald Trump. 
only because, as I've said before, my father was narcissistic. And as a kid, I was around my father. Now, what happens when you're in that situation? You have a father or a president that goes off, loses his temper, does crazy shit. And as the underling, whether you work for him or you're his kids, you, you know this. So you try to do everything you can to placate him, to avoid the, the thunderstorm that will follow. So you placate him in every way you can. And in addition, you try to find ways to please him, to keep him on your side. This is what you work to do. And that's what I saw in his administration. Everybody's just going, we got to keep him happy. We got to keep him happy. Even if we have to fucking lie, we'll just do it. They're doing exactly what my, me and my siblings did with my father because we were afraid of the ramifications of what he might say or do. Exactly. And and we've all seen that. We see that how his family relates to him. We see how everyone else relates to him. And um, it, it really gives me um, such a disrespect for the entire Washington establishment, at least the Republican side of the aisle, for the way they did allow themselves to be bullied. I mean, here you have Mitch McConnell, who is the second most powerful man in the Republican Party, maybe mm. more powerful now, but uh, not confronting. He could mm. have. He should have. He didn't. Um, before him, Paul Ryan, before um, all of these different ones that chose to skedaddle, so to speak, rather than stay and fight, I blame them. And then you have the sycophants, the, yeah. the, the ones who, who see this power and they want to get close to it. Just like the toadies, the, 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 the schoolyard bully always has his toadies, the uh, guys who stand behind henchmen. And, uh, yes, exactly. And uh, that is that who is who surrounds him. And that that circle just kept getting wider and wider and wider. Now, fortunately, I think we're beginning to see a few cracks. We're beginning to see people like DeSantis, who sees perhaps that Trump's on his way out. And so it's time for him to step up and uh, assume that same exact modus operandi, the bully. And uh, claim the power, claim the throne, if you will. And that, that's exactly what's going to happen um, after we get done with the midterms. Watch DeSantis throw Trump under the bush, uh, the bus, and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be an epic, 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 epic battle. It will be. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me, and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. 
This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. All right, we're back. There's all kinds of stuff going on, Ed. You know, I, I you know, with all the stuff going on in Ukraine and, and Russia doing all that they're doing and us sending money and weapons and ammunition, all that to Ukraine, that's going on. And if that weren't enough, now we're hearing about the situation with Taiwan, where China wants to go in to Taiwan. They've always wanted to go into Taiwan, take it over. And and now Joe Biden is saying, if they do that, we will get involved militarily. We don't know what that means. Uh, But your, your thoughts about that whole situation. I haven't had the time to even look at that situation. I just caught a, a very quick uh, a bit of uh, video of, of Biden essentially saying that. I think that's been the position for quite some time. Um, now, to what extent that would be, um, I have a feeling that if China wanted to get wanted to strike, they could do it pretty quickly and pretty effectively. Yeah. Um, Better than which, Russia. Better than Russia and Ukraine. After which, I mean, it's like uh, Ukraine is in Russia's backyard to a certain extent, but uh, uh, and Taiwan is a little bit closer (laughs) to China. And um, the uh, we certainly know that the that China has nuclear weapons, just as we know that uh, that Russia does. Now we have uh, we have butted heads with both before i mean um before you were born and right about just i was about two years old when uh, korea happened and uh, at that point i mean we started off fighting the north koreans but ultimately we were fighting communist china in korea right and um and nobody used nuclear weapons then and this was this was a a very heated confrontation and uh uh, basically what happened, we were kicking North Korean butt. Then suddenly this huge surge of uh, Chinese troops came over the border and forced us south. And then we made a landing at Pustan and went uh, north again. And then we kind of decided to call it quits um, at the, the, the what, and set up a demilitarized zone, which is still there. Right. Um, dividing North and South. South Korea became a, a financial diamond dynamo in in Southeast Asia, and uh, North Korea is this wasteland uh, who is with a an insane man at uh, a horrible in, economy. Yes, no economy really. Yeah. And now they're facing uh, the COVID. COVID has finally hit them. So God knows what will happen with that now. Well, maybe but, God uh, does know, and he's tired of this shit. He says, all right, let's fucking wrap this up with the COVID going yeah. wild there. Yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. But uh, um, if China was going to use nuclear weapons, they had them at the time, um, I believe. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but I strongly suspect 
that uh, if they would have used them, then if they'd have had them, they didn't. So I don't know that they would now. Um, Jing uh, Ping is, uh, he may be uh, an autocrat. He may be a, a, a rascal in that way, but he's not stupid. He's yeah. not crazy. And he knows mutually assured destruction means just that. Uh, Putin worries me a little bit more. I think the man's dying. That seems to be a lot of the rumors that we're hearing from people. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except what has he got to lose? Well, you know, yeah. he said, I'm checking out. What do I care if I take the world with me? That's uh, that that could be uh, one way to look at it. Of course, uh, what uh uh, apparently his chief motivation has always been that he was totally just blown away by the uh, falling apart of the Soviet Union. And then it has always been his aim to put it back together. That would be, he would be the next, he would be lauded as uh, Peter the Great or yeah. uh, Ivan the Terrible or, you know, pick your Russian figure. Uh, that's what he was aiming for, to live forever in history and glory, even though he would be gone um of course if he blows up the world then no that won't happen (laughs) but uh we don't know we don't know who's crazy i mean we should have been trying to get rid of it it was a mistake in the beginning that we allowed nuclear weapons to you know to uh anybody to get them there should have been uh some sort of action taken that would stop them I mean, the very moment that we knew that uh, Russians had gotten the technology, uh, we should have made sure that they would never be able to use it. We, I mean, we could have done that. Yeah, and we, we the same with China. But no, we, we got to fuck around and let this happen. Um, I was just looking at something here. Uh, it's, you know, you heard about this Russian soldier, this young kid that was on yes. trial for war crimes. Right. Well, well, he's just been sentenced to life in prison. And that tells you what the prospects are if there are more trials coming up. And I'm guessing there's going to be more trials for Russian war crimes coming up. So clearly this guy was in court not even that long. He's going to jail forever right now. If they can get a hold of uh, Vladimir Putin, get him out of the country and in custody, he might be in the same situation. But as you say, he's sick, so a life sentence might be two weeks, but whatever it takes. Well, I mean, that would be an ideal fantasy, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I, I don't, don't either. think they're ever going to get Putin out. Um, I, I think uh, the first thing a dictator like Putin does is set up that apparatus that pretty much protects him. And uh, he uh, he makes sure that the people protecting him uh, have an incentive to do that, whether he has hostages or whatever it may be. Uh, he makes sure they have as much to lose as he does. Uh, I don't see that happening well, at all. And and as a matter of fact, I'm not a big one on war crimes tribunals anyway. Um, this whole idea that there are rules in war is stupid. I mean, we give lip service to that, and yeah, always sure. have, but it never plays out. What it comes down to, if you're fighting a battle and you see a way to win, you will take it. And if that, uh, I don't care what that entails. If you have to blow up an orphanage to do it, by golly, you'll blow it up. Right. And that, that means Americans, that means Soviets, that means Germans, that means Japanese. It doesn't, no matter what, 
There are no rules in war. There's only people who say these are the rules that we're going to ignore when we get into it. Now, let me ask you something about Vladimir Putin. You were saying they'll never get him out of there and and uh, um, he'll never. No, I mean, out of the country, out of the country. Now, that's what I I mean. That's what I mean. But what I'm saying is is if it gets to the point he's either too sick or too crazy and the Russian government says, fuck you, you're done, you're out of there, he's less protected. And I'll give you an example. I would have thought that Mussolini was pretty well protected for a time, but then he ends up hanging from a light post upside down, gutted. So something Mussolini, bad. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was years ago, decades ago. But But the point is, is once... Once the the people in the government have had enough of this shit and they're so bad, they aren't quite as protected as they once were because everybody's willing to out them and send them under the bus. Yeah, what I have heard, and this has been in the past, this has happened. Uh, You remember remember Gorbachev. Uh, when, When they decided to get rid of Gorbachev, they basically put him under house arrest at, at, you know, his country place or whatever. They tend not to, um, they tend not to um, air their dirty laundry in public, so to speak. Uh, He'll wind up in a sanitarium or something for his health. And and then he won't last long either by natural causes or just because they want to get rid of him. I strongly suspect from what I hear from certain, uh, you know, sources that have left the country but still have communications with people inside the country, that 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 may be getting ready to happen. We see uh, Soviet commanders in the field seeming to defy him, right? And they would not do that unless they had uh, some sort of uh, knowledge that he might not be long for the world. Otherwise, it's simply suicide. Well, it is. And, you know, the one, the other thing I read was that uh, he's firing a lot of generals and that could be one of two reasons. He either yes. sees them as a threat or they aren't doing what he wants them to do. And, and the other thing I heard was, which is surely a sign that this is going to take a shit is that Vladimir Putin is sticking his nose in this and getting involved in tactical decisions in war guy who doesn't know anything about war he was in the kgb i'll grant you that but he should not be uh the architect or 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 directing the war effort well this is and uh, you know a good uh a good illustration of that was hitler of course who was yep. the war uh tended toward disaster for the german side toward the latter years or latter months of the war who took a more and more direct uh, uh, hand in in what was done, and and probably screwed up D Day by not uh, sending the tanks into the beach to blow us out of the waters. We came in, um, and he did certain things that were just stupid because he was not a military commander, even though he had some of the best commanders in the world at the time. Uh, in Rommel and others, probably uh, maybe the best general of, of, of all. In, in World War II, but he, he tended not to to take the advice, especially when they were telling him, hey, we're losing, sue for peace. You know, that's the, and, and they're probably telling uh, Putin the same thing, and that's not what he wants to hear. No, absolutely. He, well, see, that's, that's, therein lies the problem. If they tell him the truth, they fire him, uh, he fires them, but if he, they lie to them, then they 
go down the shitter because they don't really know what's going on. I think I see, I think you can kind of see a tide turning in Russia. Like, it's like you said, the, the generals are going against him, not taking his orders. Then, then I, you know, we had the protest in the streets and people going to jail and all that stuff. But just recently, just the other day, there was a concert and the whole fucking crowd was chanting, fuck the war. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> but that that's that's a jailable offense in Russia. And exactly. you got 30,000 people doing it. And well, not there's twice about it. Right. And there is safety in numbers, right? I think sure. one of the things that we saw in Vietnam, okay, um, we have we had a standing army, right? right? But once we needed more and more troops, we had to start drafting more and more people. And right. once you start doing that, you start riling up people who don't like to see their sons and daughters coming home in body bags. That's exactly what's happening in Russia now. Right. They're having to conscript more and more people because they're getting killed which they didn't anticipate. Apparently they didn't recognize that there would be the resistance and the effective resistance that the Ukrainian forces have been able to put up. And uh, the materials that came in from the outside, not just from us, but from all of the NATO powers. So they have very effective weapons against a force that is, is obsolete essentially. I mean, we used uh, tanks to good effect in the Gulf War. It was a it was a a, a, a tank war, uh, but a lot of it, and you know, in an air war, uh, we're not seeing the air war as effectively in Russia, and we're seeing the tanks being totally ineffective because they're sticking to the roads for one thing, and yeah. uh, that limits you. I mean, we saw the run, you know, when they're trying to get to uh, to Kiev. Uh, they were just a, a traffic jam because they weren't going cross country. They were sticking to the road, making them sitting ducks. And we have effective anti-tank weapons. So they can't win. We know that now. They know that now. And the generals know that. And the people being conscripted and being sent to war know that. Well, well, the thing about it is, is that with Vladimir Putin going into Ukraine, it was a huge high-risk gamble. The only way they win in that situation is going in, winning in two to three days, not losing much military equipment, not losing many troops. And, of course, one of his generals told him, we'll win in two to three days. That's the only way they came out looking good in this situation, get it done and get it over with. Even now, after all this time, if somehow they win this war, they still fucking lose because they lost so much and they don't look as strong as they claim to be. So Vladimir Putin has already lost this war, even if he wins it. Exactly. And I'm wondering if they're not going to lose what they already had. And that would be those uh, the provinces that they had taken and Crimea. Uh, are they going to be able to hold on to that once all of the uh, the reinforcing uh, was well, not reinforcements per se, but uh, the equipment that we're sending? Uh, to the Ukrainian army, are the Russians going to be able to stand against it and hold that ground? I'm not sure they can. I don't think they can. And I mean, at this point, the Ukrainians are pushing them out of towns they've already taken over, and they're coming in and taking them back. I don't think they have the strength. I mean, I think at this point, if I'm Zelensky, you know, it started out and he figured I'm going to be dead in a couple of days and this, this country is going to be overrun, and then it doesn't, and it keeps going, and they fight back. And they hold strong, and now they're pushing back, and they're pushing the troops back. 
if I'm Zelensky, I'm saying, fuck it, let's just go all out. Let's get Crimea and the, uh, the Dumbas region back and fucking get these guys out of there completely. Now, if that happens, if that happens, just based on that, that's enough for the Russians to kick Vladimir Putin out. You went into Ukraine. You lost. You lost what we already had. You're fucking done. You can't be trusted anymore. That and and not just militarily either. Look at what the sanctions have done. Oh and yeah, they have. Russians have been removed from uh, participation in so many different financial uh, arrangements that they had in place. Uh, will they be in the G seven? No. Will they? Uh, how will they? Uh, how will they uh, function after the war is over? I, there will be punishment. Believe me. Um, people are not going to forget quickly. I mean, you look and, and if you see the devastation they have brought on Ukraine and the brutality they have existed, uh, have exhibited, people are not going to forget that. No, no. And they're going to punish them like they did the Germans after world war one. Uh, and uh, which eventually brought on World War II. But there will be punishment, whether they're war crimes trials or not. The the Russian people are going to suffer for many, many decades because of this. Well, that's that's exactly right. You know, people think that, okay, the war's over. They lift the sanction. Everything's okay again. No, it's going to, like you say, it's going to take decades to come back from this. Even if they stop the sanctions tomorrow and they stop the war tomorrow, you're still decades out before you're you're whole again, right? And and people are finding ways to deal with uh, uh, not having access to Russian oil, not having access to Russian gas, and so forth. They're finding other ways to deal with that. Will they go back? Maybe not. Maybe the one thing that Russia has to export is something that no one will want. Well, exactly, and you know that's you know being in business like I was for a while brokering different goods and whatever here's one thing you know for sure if i'm selling you something and something happens where i don't sell you something and you get it from someplace else i'm never ever getting you back you're gone for good and that's what they have to understand people will adapt i mean like like i I just heard they cut off all the gas to finland or or sweden i'm not sure which one russia cut it all off because they're yeah. mad at them, okay? And you know what happened? Yeah. Nothing. 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 Yeah. It didn't even affect them. They're holding this hammer over their heads, and because they don't know for sure, they bend to it. But then when they're forced to deal with it, and it's fucking nothing, that takes all kinds of credibility and all kinds of power away from Russia. Exactly. And this is a very complicated world. And there is no way that any one person or even a group of people can come up with something that covers every eventuality. Chaos theory is real. And the reason that it it exists is uh, because chaos happens. And the best you can do to deal with it you're still going to have chaos because you can't think of everything and things come up that had never been even been considered before. Right. Uh, who would have thought that Ukraine could stand against the Russian military? Nobody thought that. Um, I, I look back now and, and people were saying, 
well, they're not going to invade. Come on. Russia's not going to invade Ukraine. It doesn't make any sense. Biden's going, yeah, they're going to invade. As a matter of fact, they're going to invade next Tuesday, probably, because right. we have the intelligence. And, and, and Trump has said, no, they're not going to invade. They're not going to invade, you know. And, th- and then when they do, of course, he switches gears. Oh, genius, genius. You yeah. know, but and it, uh, which is, uh, you know, he worships the bully. Oh, sure. And to him, that was genius. But uh, well, the bully um, just you know, got he, his ass kicked. Exactly. I mean, Trump is the guy who wanted to. Uh, to to bomb drug dealers in in Mexico and then claim we didn't do it. You know, I mean, he actually thinks you can get away with something like that or that uh, we could send in uh, planes with Chinese markings on them. (laughs) We could, you know, this kind of thing. Uh, um, uh, This is the stuff of of grade school bullies, even uh, fantasy that uh, that makes no sense at all. And um, Putin has, as a KGB guy, he's he's used to doing things underhanded, backhanded, and so forth, and dirty tricks and so forth. That doesn't make him a strategist. And certainly he's miscalculated here. Well, he's miscalculated, and he's not a strategist. He's what every narcissist is, a reactionary. You know, it's, 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 it's like Donald Trump. Donald Trump has never thought out anything in his fucking life. You say something to him. He immediately comes back with whatever comes to his head and he fucking spews it out. You know, this behavior, I've seen it many times because I've known my share of narcissists. And once you understand who they are and what they are, they're not hard to manipulate because their minds are really pretty fucking soft. It's all very focused on themselves and saving themselves. And once you know that, you can fuck these people up. And I think I think Joe Biden has done that to a little bit with, with, with Vladimir Putin and this whole thing with China and Taiwan, him saying, yeah, there'll definitely be military action. Now, he doesn't say what it is. So uncertainty is always the thing that makes him nervous. So China, I think in that case, I mean, we're not going to go into a nuclear war with China um, and it's going to be, uh, um, but it's a kind of a uh, a half bluff. You know, he's trying to be tough without being crazy and say, look, go ahead, go into Taiwan, but you're going to fucking deal with some military stuff. And China's going to go, yeah, I, and we don't really want to do that. That's, that doesn't make sense. Hopefully it's some way to deter them from doing the crazy shit they're talking about doing. Uh, yeah, I hope so, too. I'll be honest with you. I can't figure out the uh, I can't figure out the autocratic mind. Uh, which is uh, China is just as guilty as uh, as Putin in that they care nothing for the large part of their people. They care only about a small group and that everyone else should serve that. Yeah. I, I don't understand that kind of thinking. I don't understand why they think that that is a, a goal to be achieved it, it it boggles my mind that that anyone can conceive of that as a proper way of doing things but but yet there are there they they seem to be everywhere and it it uh, it, it makes me wonder um how we've survived as long as we have of course yeah, when you look at history you see that it just keeps repeating over and over well and you also see that the the fascists and the dictators and the autocrats don't fare well over time. 
but but here's the thing and and I could be wrong about this but not likely uh when you're looking at uh, dictators or autocrats um or even narcissists they aren't thinkers they aren't strategizers they aren't even necessarily smart they may be smart but they're not using their brains they're dealing pretty much with uh, they're dealing pretty much with they're they're become they're brutes you know all they yeah, know is you instinct. don't you don't like what i want so i'm going to beat you up or i'm going to knock you down or i'm going to marginalize you it's there's no thought process about it there's no strategy there's no finesse there's nothing it's just i'm going to knock your shit knock the shit out of you if you don't agree with me and 99% of the time the people who perceive themselves a weaker say oh yes sir yes sir i'll do that they go the the path of least resistance, and they don't want to get hurt. So that's how they win. Autocrats are fucking dumb because they don't see the whole picture. They don't see how it's ultimately going to end. And with autocrats and dictators, it always ends the same way. Badly, dead, out of power, exiled, whatever you want to call it. Exactly. And it, it saddens me that the United States sometimes adopts the, the same kind of tactics that that the autocrats do, uh, and I'm thinking of the uh, the black facilities uh, for one of whatever they called them that the CIA had around the world in these various countries, where they could take people they took on the battlefield uh, and and torture them to get information. Right. The moment we did that, we gave up moral authority in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Right. And uh, anyone who authorized that, and I don't care, Democrat, Republican, Independent, should be in prison. Absolutely. And yet, we know that every administration has known about that, and they've checked off on it. And that includes Trump, and includes Obama. It includes probably as far back as Reagan and, and maybe even before. But uh, I'm sorry, I cannot forgive that. I cannot forgive anyone who would sign off on that because we know it doesn't work. No, it doesn't but work. It, it, uh, the problem is, is our leaders, as much as they're not fascist or authoritarians, at least until Trump, it's about priorities. And unfortunately, yes. whether we're talking about Democrats or Republicans, it's about self-enrichment with our politicians. It's about getting more power and more money. That is the priority. Now, if after the fact they can help the people and it's beneficial to them to help the people, they will do that. But it's a, it's a single-minded thing by our politicians generally. Not all, of course, but a large portion of them. They're there to get reelected, to get money, to get the payments, to get power in politics and continue to rise in their power. That is their priority. And I would debate it with any Democrat or any Republican. That's just human nature. They're fucking humans. Some may be questionable, but that's what they do. And their priority is to, is to, it's like if you ever had a financial planner, one that gets paid on commission Mm -hmm. or a lawyer, or even a lawyer, when they, when you hire them, the first thing they're thinking is, how can I benefit? Where am I going to make the most money? And then they decide how they can help you in those parameters. 
And that's what politicians do. They don't think of us first. They don't think of what's right first. They think of how can I benefit myself? And then once I'm fully benefited, I can do all this good. But they never do because it's never enough. Exactly. And um, I'm, I'm afraid that's the case. And I, I, uh, I do think Democrats in general tend to be a little bit better. Sure. Yeah, it. definitely. Definitely better. A little bit better. But only a little bit. Because I've, I've just been watching. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but there's a new, um, um, I think, oh, HBO um, two-part thing on George Carlin. Yeah. And uh, as George, you know, progressed, he, he reinvented himself many, many times. And, and, and at the very end, he just threw it all up and said, hell, I'm just going to say what I believe. And he pointed out that, that the country is owned by a small group of people. And sometimes you can get a little bit from them. And, and but you're, we're basically owned and fucked, you know, right, and he's right. telling that he's telling the truth. Now, that doesn't mean we give up. That doesn't mean that we say, okay, we can't beat these people. We keep trying and we get incrementally, we get a little bit better and then we slip back. But I still, I, the metaphor I always use is whack-a-mole. Yeah. Evil is like whack-a-mole. You knock it down, it pops up somewhere else. And so it's a never-ending whack-a-mole game. And that's in every country, the U.S., Britain, Russia, wherever it is. There are people trying to whack down the evil. But um, sometimes they are able to. Sometimes they get overwhelmed. But ultimately, ultimately, I have to see hope on the horizon that we can eventually, if we keep whacking away, <laughs> then sooner or later we may just break the game. Well, and, and I think this particular time in our history may be the eye-opening moment. I think what's always happened is you get bad situations, people push back, and they fight back, and then they gain some ground, and they get lazy, and they go, okay, now I can relax. We got what we wanted. We can relax. And then something else comes in. And I tell people on, on, on the podcast on the TikTok, here's the deal. First, we've got to vanquish the Republicans because they're fucking nuts. Then yes. we got to take the Democrats and put them under a microscope and keep pushing them every day. Cause the moment you give them a little room, they will take advantage. We've got to police them hard and be on top of them all the time, demanding what we deserve and what should be done. Because if you think vanquishing the Republicans and giving the power to the Democrats is going to save us, it may for a little time, but in short order, we will be being abused again if we don't put the pressure on and keep the pressure on indefinitely. Exactly. Um, and, and we have to be bold. When I look Absolutely. back and I, and I see Obama nominating Merrick Garland and then uh, McConnell saying, well, I'm not going to schedule a vote because it's an election year. What Obama should have said is that's bullshit. I have put up a nominee. You're going to have a vote or I'm throwing you in jail and we will have somebody else in your place because you're obstructing government by doing this. Well, exactly. Be bold. I don't know what he could have done, but he should have done something. Exactly. Uh, he, he called for a march on Washington. He should not have allowed that to happen because it was subverting the governmental process. And, uh, of course, he's going to try shit like that. 
but you don't let him get away with it. And I understand that Obama was under pressure that no president has ever had before. He was the Jackie Robinson of American politics. Right. And so he had to walk a very thin line. I I don't know uh, if he had to. He was well, just, he chose to. He chose to. That way. I mean, Obama, Obama, I liked Obama. I thought he was a, a good president for many reasons, but I think he missed so many opportunities. He could have walked away from this looking even better. The only reason, let's be honest, one of the reasons he looks good right now, because he didn't leave a mess behind him. He got right. the ACA. That was a wonderful thing. But by the time the Republicans fucked with it, it wasn't nearly as good as what Obama wanted in the first place. So that's why AK, uh, the, the Affordable Care Act isn't as good as it should be. And, and they allowed that to happen. Obama could have been tougher. He could have accomplished more things if he would have been a little more assertive. And that's the one thing I'm disappointed about Obama with. Exactly. And, and, you know, we have to, we have to look at who else was in power at the time, um, in, in the Senate, in the house and so oh, forth. Yeah. Who did he have to deal with and all, and all of that. I was disappointed. As a matter of fact, I've been disappointed in every president in, in my lifetime once I became aware, which was probably the latter years of, uh, of, uh, Eisenhower and the, the the beginning of the Kennedy administration. I've been disappointed in every president except the one that everybody else is disappointed in. And that's Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter right. was the best president, the best man we ever had in the job. Uh, it was unfortunate that they did the same thing to him that they're doing to Biden, and that is uh, ginning up this inflation, or once it rears its head to make it worse. And you cannot, no one will ever convince me that Wall Street didn't just do that, uh, and that they're not doing the same thing with Biden. Right. If you want to talk about inflation, go back to the Trump tax cuts, go yeah. back to the CARES Act. That's where the inflation came from, that with the pandemic and uh, and the slowdown and the slow recovery and so forth. But mostly it's price gouging. Now we can see that. I mean, we're not stupid. You know, if you're making record profits, I don't care what industry you're in. If you're making record profits, you don't get to keep raising prices. That makes no sense. That's what's calling the inflation right there. Exactly. Well, we're running out of time here, as we as we commonly do. We always have plenty to talk about. When you and I sat down, we said, what should we talk about? And we didn't really even know. We threw out a couple of things and said, let's see where it goes. And uh, an hour and 10 minutes later, here we are. So it always works out somehow. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to talk about. There's... And we have opinions. Certainly we do. <laughs> and we're not afraid to voice them. All right. Well, no. Ed, thanks for coming by. Uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. I want to thank all the folks in the audience for taking the time out of the day to listen to us. Have yourself a great day, and we will be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.